Welcome back to the Interlude Podcast. You are listening to episode 109, A Conversation with Rory Zura. Rory was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer in the middle of the pandemic. She underwent chemotherapy, bilateral mastectomy, radiation, more chemotherapy with Zalota, and in January of this year, had her final exchange surgery, and she is now done with treatment. On today's episode, we talk about how fitness really helped Rory during treatment, as well as navigating the unknown after cancer. She shares how she exercised during treatment, how she had to change the way that she worked out, the exercise break that she took after surgery, and how she started learning to get strong again. Rory actually became a cancer exercise specialist, as well as a certified personal trainer, and opened up her own company called Foobs and Fitness. Her mission and her intention is to educate and empower those affected by cancer on how to live a more active lifestyle before, before, during, and after diagnosis. She provides patients with a safe and customized training program that correlates with their current state of diagnosis and treatment. As you know, I am a big proponent of fitness and I loved hearing about the work that Rory is doing. And I think that you will too. And I'm hoping that it will inspire you to get out and move a little bit more. The end of the episode, Rory shares some of her top stretches that she does to reset. And these are stretches that you can do in your office while waiting online, walking to the bathroom, and they're really, really helpful and just help you feel better. With that, it is my honor to welcome Rory Zura to the Interlude podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course, I'm so happy. This is exciting. Can you start by talking a little bit about who you are, your story? Sure. So my name is Rory. Um, I was diagnosed on August 17, 2020, um, with triple negative breast cancer. At the time, it was, you know, stage one, very early. Um, I found the lump when I was in the shower. Um, you know, I brought it to my husband, and since we were in the middle of a pandemic, he was like, you know, you you get cystic breasts. You know, aren't you getting your period? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. So you know, I just put it in the back of my head and was like, it's not a big deal. I'm, we're in the middle of a pandemic anyway. So it's not like I could do much about it. Um, but then when my period came and went and the lump stayed put, that was the first time that that had ever happened. So I immediately contacted my gynecologist. Luckily he was super aggressive with it. He's like, come in this week, we'll get you done. He did a self exam on me, sent me for a mammogram, ultrasound, 3D mammogram, all of that came back inconclusive. So he's like, I know you've never done this before, but we're gonna have to send you for biopsy. And I'm like, no, this is not good. So I just kind of tried to keep myself distracted. Um, you know, it was kind of hard in the middle of a pandemic, but um, I did it and went through the biopsy, you know, kept it on the back burner. And lo and behold, it ended up being cancer. So here I am, you know, almost two years now from my diagnosis. Um, I did, you know, your run of the mill ACT, AC, um, and then T taxol, um, dose dense. So I hit eight rounds of them. I was finished with chemo January of 2021, a few days before my 34th birthday. 
Um, then went for my double mastectomy February 2nd and pathology when they had me open up on the OR table had come back clear. Nothing was in the lymph nodes. Great. Put the expanders in, sewed me right up. A week later, my doctor calls me and tells me the full pathology came back with micromets in one of my lymph nodes. So I then had to go for radiation after fighting with my doctor for probably three weeks. I, I fought with them about not having to do radiation, making sure I was, you know, savvy on lymphedema because I am an athlete and I knew when you take your lymph nodes out, you're at risk for lymphedema. Um, went for radiation and did 25 rounds of radiation. And then I did eight rounds of Zolota. So I just had my um, exchange surgery in January for my 35th birthday. And I am finally done with treatment, declared med for now. Um, so they're just doing follow-up with me. That must feel good. Um, yes, but it's also kind of anxious ridden. Um, it's not what I expected at all to feel like when I finish, especially because we're still, you know, dealing with COVID and, you know, having a party like I wanted to was just not happening. So it was kind of like a disappointment almost that I was done and like left to just be like, here you go, you're done, have a nice day. And it's just like, well, I just spent 18 months doing the same thing every single day. Like, what do I do now? So um, it's, it's been a, a battle, but I feel that's just life. And we just have to figure out how things go from now on. And so how do you deal with that? Because I hear that a lot, right? That people are used to their lives complete change. They're coming for chemo every week, every other week. They're at the cancer center all the time, radiation every day. And then you are, you're left to kind of just live your life. So that's something that I know a lot of people struggle with. What has helped you navigate that kind of unknown territory? Um. Fitness has really helped me a ton. I mean, I became, I was an athlete all my life. So even throughout treatment, you know, for the most part, almost every day I was still working out ex- except, you know, when I felt crappy. Um, but even then, you know, I was still for for walks. I would still try and do something to take my mind off of feeling bad. I would never just try and like push it aside because you shouldn't ignore your feelings that just makes things worse but I acknowledge them you know I'm I'm sitting here at my desk and I'm just kind of like wow did this really just happen to me I'll I'll think about it and I don't let it control me but I'll try and find other things to kind of get me through it so normally when I get anxious about it I'll go for a walk or I'll go down to my gym and I'll start lifting weights just something to push through it so that way it's not as bad And I've also felt like music, I I always default to music too. Um, So I feel like listening to music and just kind of like letting myself drown in lyrics a little bit almost really helps too. It's also like, it's almost like meditation a little bit. I think that's really important to kind of find what feels meditative. A lot of people will tell me like, I don't, my mind wanders during meditation. It's not doing what it's supposed to. And so I think figuring out what kind of creates that meditative state for you is important. Walk me back to exercise during chemotherapy. Tell me what you were doing before cancer and did you have to modify? Did you have to adapt? What did it look like? So, um, Rory BC, as I like to call before cancer, um, was orange theory, soccer, you know, that high interval training, just like go, 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 go. Um, hated yoga back then, like I could not stand it because I couldn't sit still. And when I got diagnosed, I asked my doctor, am I still going to be able to work out? And he goes, yes, there are actually studies that show working out during treatment minimizes side effects. And I'm like, sign me up. Yeah, this this is my jammy jam. So I did, I did make some mistakes now that I'm more aware of what happens to your body. Um, So when I got diagnosed and I actually went for my first round of treatment, 
I would work out the morning of just like get myself all like hyped up. Like I'm going, I'm going into battle. Like we're doing this. And, and what were you, what were you doing the morning of? Was it the high intensity? Were you going to an orange theory class? Well, so we were in the middle of COVID. Okay. So definitely not going, definitely not going to orange theory class. Yeah. No, um, I was still doing, um, during that time they were offering, um, members online. So you mm-hmm. could sign on to their YouTube and you could still do the classes. You were just at home. So probably the first and second treatment, I was still doing like high interval training. Um, but then as I started to lose my hair, I started to lose my energy. So I had to kind of change the way that I worked out. So Instead of, you know, running three miles and then going lifting weights and then running uphill and going lifting weights. Instead, I was just walking and then lifting weights. So I always lifted. So it was, it was crucial that my doctor said to me, you know, weight lifting, weight bearing exercises are going to be your best friends. It's going to combat osteoporosis. It's just going to keep you strong. So that's what I did. I wasn't able to run but I would still kind of get the same workout aerobically walking on an incline. And then I would take a rest, come back to my workout and I would just lift weights. So up until about my, my mastectomy, I was lifting like 25 pounds upper body, still doing almost hundred pounds lower body. So I was still pretty strong. And then right after my mastectomy, I, got punched in the gut by learning that my cancer spread. So I kind of went down a very deep, dark rabbit hole and it didn't work out for a while. Um, I was obviously very restricted. I couldn't do anything. And I was so upset and so depressed that I thought I did what I was supposed to do to get rid of this thing that I let my mind win. And It took all of my friends, my husband, my family to pull me out of that dark place. And luckily spring was right around the corner. So it was starting to get warm. You know, I would go for walks and it was really starting to help me get back into things very slowly. And I also knew that I had to get ready because I was about to go through radiation. So um, after I was cleared to do uh, my auxiliary lymph node dissection, which was my second surgery that I had to go for, um, I developed cording on top of it. So I didn't know anything about cording. Um, I thought that I ruined something with my surgery. And when I showed my doctor, she was like, no, you have cording, you need to go to a therapist. So that's when I got started on physical therapy and physical therapy is what kickstarted me back into, all right, I, I got to get my butt in gear. Like, this is not okay. You, you, you wallowed in your little pity party for long enough, like let's go. So going to physical therapy two to three times a week really got me back into, all right, I'm in my new body. How do I figure this out? Because I can't go into radiation weak. I need to be strong. And so I, I got back at it. I learned resistance bands. I learned more interval incline walking. Um, so instead of just walking in a straight line, I would move the treadmill up and down. I would go outside different terrains. So I'd walk on the grass then I'd walk on the concrete. Then I would try and walk on dirt and, you know, just everything is different in the world. So it gives you different muscles that you need to activate. Um, and then by the time I started Zalota, I was back to lifting weights again. It was great. I was strong. I was happy. I was healthy. And here I am now after my exchange surgery, just right back into that learning how to get strong again. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people listening to this will recognize their own experience in it, but I'm curious, like, you know, starting to pick up the resistance bands, changing the incline, doing the different terrains. Um, you know, how did you do that? Right. Like, was it just like, Oh, let me just try something new or were there resources, were there educational materials that you tried to pick up? Cause I think when we, a lot of times we hear people making these pivots and it sounds easy, but if you are not enmeshed in fitness, you may not know what to do. Yeah. So I do have a leg up on the average Joe, I should say, because I was an athlete all my life. I, you know, my mom used to tell me all the time that I learned how to run before I could walk. So I'm just that person that just is on the go. And 
even before, you know, my BC moments, I would be at the gym and I know what to do, but I'd look over and I'd see this guy and I'm like, what the hell is he doing? And I want to know what that is. And I would just go on Google mm-hmm. really quick and I would find it. Um, and luckily for me, I do have a support system where I have other people in the fitness industry where I can ask them these things. But it wasn't really until I went back to school to become a, a certified personal trainer where I'm actually looking at the mechanics of the body where I'm like, oh, now I get why if this is tight, you know, my back is overstretching. So I need to pull that back and start like strengthening the back and stretching the chest. Oh, duh, that makes sense. So it really wasn't until I went back to school where everything sort of clicked for me. Um, if I hadn't gone back to school and I was just, you know, moving and grooving through treatment, I would probably just rely on Google just to make things up. But that's where a lot of people tend to hurt themselves because Mm -hmm. if you think like, oh, you know, my back hurts, you're going to stretch your back because you think like, oh, it must be so tight. Like, why can't I move? It hurts. But in essence, you should really be stretching the opposite. So these are the things that now that I'm a personal trainer with a specialty in oncology, a cancer exercise specialist, I'm understanding the mistakes that I made during treatment and how I can prevent others from doing the same thing or even teaching them how to do it from the get-go. And that's what's most important is because your body is already going through so much. You don't want to do anything else that's going to hurt you. When did you go back to school? And tell me also what, you know, we know kind of what a personal trainer certification is, but what is a cancer exercise specialist? What did the training look like? Mm -hmm. So I went back to school. So I lost my job, my regular nine to five with COVID, Um, lost my job and then got diagnosed with cancer. So I had, yeah, it was just like, Hey, what else can we pile on you? Let's, let's keep going. So I had to make a a choice in my life. Should I, for the first time in my life, should I not work and focus on myself? And I'm not that type of person. I will always think about other people first before I put myself first. And I think cancer actually knocked me on my ass to say, you need to start paying attention to yourself and putting yourself first. So that's what I did. I decided, you know what? We're getting these these stimulus checks. That's great. I'm going to focus on my health. So I went through my cancer treatment and decided, you know what? I've been working out so much during this time. It would help so many other people if they understood how exercise and medicine goes hand in hand. Is there a program out there that I can dive into and really be that type of champion for people who are coming after me? And so I found one, you know, I went to the National Academy of Sports Medicine and became a certified personal trainer. Um, I also became a women's fitness specialist through them. And I found the Cancer Exercise Training Institute, where I then became a cancer exercise specialist. So I had to get the CPT, the certified personal trainer, first and foremost, because that is the foundation of exercise. It's, It's basically learning the body and how it functions. Cancer Exercise Training Institute because we're also still in COVID, it was all virtual. We had our classes online. Um, Our teacher, Andrea, she is the founder. She's been in the industry for years. She is also a cancer survivor. Um, So being able to learn from someone who had the same mindset as me was amazing. So it was a very long class. I think we were doing, it was two months we did. And then the test at the end, I think you needed like an 80 to pass. Um, So I I did pass. I became certified exercise specialist. Um, I opened up my own company and it's, it's really just been exciting. And that's amazing. And I think probably helped, you know, mentally, right? Like have that focus. What is your company now? What do you do? So I started a company that's called Foods and Fitness. Um, so foods in the breast cancer community, when you lose your boobs, they're foods, whether you're flat closure, you know, deep flap, tug flap, implants, whatever. Um, I just figured foods is, is, it needs to become more of a norm. So I created foods and fitness because I've talked about breast cancer and I talk about fitness. 
Um, so my motto is fake, fit, and fabulous. Um, you're, you may be fake, but you're fit and you're absolutely fabulous. We talk about breast cancer, exercise, mental health, and it's really teaching people the different components that come with a cancer diagnosis, both pre, during, and post. Um, so it's really more for me, I call myself like a battle buddy. It's for me to be there during your battle, whether you've just been diagnosed, trying not to be diagnosed, already diagnosed, or just finishing, and you're like, I don't know what to do with my life. It's really for me to just be that person in your corner to say, look, I know what you're going through. I, I get what you're going through, but we can do this together. You're not alone. You don't have to be alone. And do you have classes? Do you do virtual training? Right now I'm doing virtual training. Um, now that the world is starting to open back up, I am going to start trying to do more in-person activities. They are only one-on-one -on -one because I don't fully like doing group classes for people who are so specialized. I want to be able to give my attention to you to make sure that you're not hurting yourself. There are a lot of components that go into cancer and fitness. And if I have too many people, then it's not fair to my clients. So I'd rather just give it a one-on-one -on -one focus. You deserve my, my full attention. I do 25 minute classes and I do 50 minute classes. Um, so depending on, you know, where you are in treatment, if you're back at work, if whatever fits your schedule. Um, but I do try and do at least two to three times a week with people if they're able to do it, because I want you to meet the minimum requirements for you, which is 150 minutes a week of aerobic activity to stay healthy. And so talk me through a class what a virtual class looks like for someone on treatment right now. So on treatment, depending on if they're doing AC or if they're doing Taxol. So let's say, let's say they're on AC right now. If they've had treatment today, I won't touch them. They are not allowed to hang to, to work out with me for at least 24 to 48 hours after their infusion. Once they've passed that threshold, then I will walk them through their warm up. We'll do a lymphedema drainage exercise that I give them. Um, we'll do some stretching, just get the body moving. And then I do warm up. I'm teaching them everything. So let's say they've gone through a mastectomy first and then they've done chemo. I'm teaching them how to regain that range of motion. So during your assessment, I'll measure your range of motion. So inflection when you put your hands up right above your head in that eye position if you're not at 150 to 180 i'm working on that goal to get you to that minimum threshold so that you can regain your full mobility back because if you don't learn that that full mobility you're going to become in a compromised position and that's what your new normal is going to be and it's going to cause so many other issues throughout your body because your entire kinetic chain is connected so we'll do some stretches if you've met that threshold, we'll do some strength training in there. And then I throw in some cardio. So depending on your level of activity, you're not running with me. I'm teaching you other ways to do cardio, like a modified jumping jack or high knees where you're touching your knees to your hands. Um, and then we do our cool down and we really just talk. And if there's things bothering you, my clients like to ask me a lot of questions and ask my opinion on certain things. That's that like last five, 10 minutes. I usually give them to unload on me. You know, is there something bothering you? What are you doing this weekend? You have any plans and just try and give everything a good, you're doing great. You're doing awesome. Like I'll see you tomorrow. And now you're done with treatment and you're trying to figure out what my new body looks like, how it all fits in. What does it post active treatment workout look like? Post active treatment is much different. Um, so your cardio intensity is going to be much higher. Um, my focus is to get you not fatigued. So you, you know, you've been through the ringer, you're tired, you can barely get up, you know, you get bouts of low energy all throughout the day. We take, we talk about deep breathing, you know, diaphragmic breathing is the key to everything that increased oxygen flow is what's going to help your cells. It's what's going to give you, you know, that 
that little jolt of energy, um, teaching them how to be in their new body. So like I said, even before, if you've gone through a surgery, which 90% of people have done when they're done with treatment, because you either need a lumpectomy, a mastectomy, or whatever they're doing, something is wrong in your body. You've gone through trauma. You, your shoulders are probably hunched forward because they're protecting the area that just went through this traumatic experience. So we need to teach your body. You're fabulous. Push that chest out. Like, let's go stretch it out. We're going to, we're going to regain our reach of motion and really strengthen your body. So by that point, we're probably adding weights back in. We're probably going to be increasing the cardio. So you will be doing full jumping jacks. We'll be doing a lot more hit style, but not as intense. And what has been your experience, you know, watching people go through treatment and after treatment? What is, what do people say? What's their recovery like? There, it's a roller coaster. So I have one client who is struggling with her energy and that's to be expected, but I like showing her how far she's come. So when we first start, I will automatically do my assessment of you. We'll do a postural assessment, a static assessment, your range of motion, where I measure your, your degrees. And that gives me an actual number to show you throughout your time with me, how physically you've increased. So being able to show you where you started and then six to eight weeks later, showing you where you are now is a huge improvement. So yes, you may still be tired, but the side effects of chemo can last for years. So you have to fight through that. So staying on that consistency, making sure that you're on time for your sessions and coming to all of your sessions is, is a huge key to getting back into your quote unquote normal life. Cause it's, kind of similar to making sure you go to your appointments, make sure you go to your blood work, make sure you get your labs. So it's now supplementing that lifestyle of going to a treatment center. Now you're going to a quote unquote fitness center. And do you find that people then are able to transition from what you're doing kind of to a more, either getting back into, you know, it has, I hesitate to say gym because someone you know, I think gyms are just starting to reopen, but kind of getting back into that much more, you know, intense workout schedule. Yes, I do. Um, and I also feel like too, people are now more open to doing things that they wouldn't normally do. Like I know a few people that I've spoke to went out and bought like a Peloton style bike for when they were like, Oh, I'm an avid runner. I want to run, but I can't run. So what can I do? And I'm like, well, you can get a bike that you don't need your upper body for that. That's your lower body. So if you still want to do cardio, you know, if it's raining, if you live in an area that's raining, you have something inside and small, it's compact. You can do that. And they've went and bought bikes and they're like, this is amazing. Why haven't I done this before? So it's, it's also changing how people think. And I think it's also opening people's eyes to say, what wasn't working for me before, maybe I, it'll work better for me now. I think that's really, that's really fair. But what about, what about you have people that say, I don't have time for exercise, you know, or I'm busy, I'm, you know, back to work. And by, you know, I'm recovering from treatment, I'm back to work, work is stressful. By the time I came home and make dinner, I'm tired. I cannot work out. And, you know, I hear that a lot. And, you know, I have things that I tell people, but I'm curious about, you know, your expertise and what you say. So that is a huge thing that is brought up. And that's why I have a saying where I want you to stay active, not exercise, because there is a huge misconception when it comes to activity and exercise. Exercise is you going to the gym, going to a fitness class, things like that. That's what I associate exercise with is you doing an actual exercise. But I want you to stay active. And when you're done with treatment, I just don't want you sitting on the couch watching Netflix all day long. And people forget that you are burning calories when you're cooking, when you're cleaning the house, when you're doing laundry, when you're walking the dog. These are all things that you need to be aware of because your body is back down to where it was when it was almost an infant. You're relearning how to do all these basic things in life where 
even going down to the gym seems so foreign right now because you can barely reach up. You know, if you're sitting at a desk all day long and you've gone through a mastectomy and you're just so tired when you come home, your body is already taking a beating because you're sitting at a desk, you're not moving and it doesn't have that increased oxygen flow. So all I need you to do is your deep breathing and maybe do some couple walks around the house, go from your room to room, make sure everything is clean. That's exercise for someone who has just finished treatment. I think that's really important. I talk a lot about, you know, when I tell people during treatment, even if you have zero energy, like go do something for 10 minutes, you know, walk to the end of the block and back. And if you really at the end of the 10 minutes have still have zero energy, then your body's trying to tell you today's not the day. Right. But often, exactly like that. You know, often what you'll find is you do the 10 minutes, you know, well, like I can do another five or 10. And, you know, then you've, you've done a substantial amount or even just getting up. We, we know there's a big study that came out recently about sedentary behavior. So people who are sedentary, they have almost six times higher risk of dying from breast cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, just sedentary, just sitting. So even if you get up for 30 seconds to a minute every hour and do some jumping jacks or fill yep. up your water bottle, that's movement. Yep. There was a, um, one of my friends during treatment, her, her key to me was if you're tired, drink some water. If you're still tired, that means that your body needs rest because water is, you know, the value, yeah. the, the, the life of the life source of us. Sorry. So every time I was tired, I would go fill up my water bottle, drink some water. And I'd be like, Oh, I feel better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to go outside and play with my dogs. And I would go outside and play with my dogs. But on the days where I didn't feel so good, like on the day that I would just come home from treatment and I'm like, oh my God, I can't even get out of bed right now. But as long as you get up out of bed, go from the bed to the couch that you're moving, go Mm -hmm. from the bed to the couch, sit there, watch a TV show. But every time there's a commercial, get up and go get some water and then go sit back down. And then do it again and again and again. And then all day long, guess what? You're moving. Yeah, I think that so many people equate with exercise with I have to go and do 45 minutes or an hour or it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. And you know, even 10 minutes still counts. It's better than no minutes. Yep. But I, every time somebody tells me, oh, I don't feel good today. I, I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm like, do me a favor. Just come on for five minutes. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll still reschedule if you come for that five minutes and you're still tired mm-hmm. because I want you to get into that mindset. Like, you know what? I have to go. Let me do this. I'll just go for five minutes. I'm so tired. And then if you do something for five minutes, or we're going to do a stretch. And if you're still tired after stretching, then I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. We will reschedule. Absolutely. You need to listen to your body. You know, it's best for your body. Not me. I'm just here to motivate you and to take care of you and make sure you're safe. So if you're not feeling good, listen to your body, but you also need to be kind to your body and don't beat yourself up. If you come to that point where, you know what, I, I, I did the stretching. I'm just, I can't do it today. I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm so proud of you. You're listening to your body. Go. Bye. See ya. <laughs> I, I really love that perspective. I think that there is so much, I should be doing this. I have to be doing this. And and that doesn't serve anybody any good because it just creates feelings of blame and shame, and guilt that are not helpful. Mm-hmm. And, and being stress. And stress. And, and then being grateful for what your body can do rather than angry for what it can't do. Yes. But I, but I, I, I know how hard that is to have that when you feel like your body has betrayed you with this diagnosis. Yes, that was... When I was diagnosed too, especially because I was an athlete and, you know, I had, I tried to get a preventative mastectomy for years before I actually got diagnosed, which is a whole different story. But I, you know, I took care of myself. I worked out, I ate healthy ish. Um, but you know, I was in great shape. None of my doctors were ever concerned about me. And then lo and behold, I get cancer. And I'm like, I literally like looked at my chest and I'm like, why are you trying to kill me? Why, what did I do to you? Like I took care of you, but it's, it's not our fault. It's, just, it's on a cellular level. And sometimes 
it's within, it's out of our control. You know, genetics play a huge part. There's an environmental factor. It's not your fault that you got cancer and it's, there's nothing you could have done to change it. Unfortunately, you are dealt the cards that you are dealt with right now. So how do we move past this? And that was a huge obstacle for me to go over and I'm still doing it. You know, even I've gotten better at it, but there are days where I, I retrograde back where I'm like, I hate my life. This is miserable. Everything sucks. And that's fine. You know, my, my life motto is life is all about ups and downs because if you, even an EKG, if you flatlined, you're dead. You, you have to have ups and downs in life. That's just how things go. So live in the, live in the downs, learn from them, but enjoy the time that you have up. Know that it's not going to last forever, but it's going to come back. It, it always will. And when you feel down and when you feel angry or, you know, upset about everything, you know, we talked about fitness, we talked about music. Um, is there anything else that you do or do you just kind of sit in it and process those downs and say, this is a down and I will feel better soon. Mm -hmm. I do. I do sit in it. So my husband knows like when I'm in one of my moods, um, like I'll go sit on the TV, like I'll sit on the couch and I'll, I'll put on either one of my favorite movies. So either Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> I laugh because I try to watch that this weekend with my five-year-old and she's like, what is this? I'm like, all right. Two it's either harry potter the hunger games or i binge watch all of the big bang theory so okay. you know, like when i'm in one of my moods if those shows are on don't talk to me don't bother me i just need to zen that is my meditation like losing myself in those tv shows while still making sure i'm getting up i'm not just laying on the couch all day long but it also helps that i have dogs so I have two dogs that have needed me. And that goes for a lot of people who have kids. Your kids still need you. So use them. Use them as an excuse for you to push through. Your kids want to go play on the playground. Go bring them to the playground. You can sit on the bench for all I care, but you're outside. Yeah. And you're enjoying yourself. And you've moved from your house to the playground. And now you can come back and go lay on the couch. Yay. <laughs> But I, you know, I really like your mindset because I think sometimes there is a lot of, you know, toxic positivity in the sense that we're like, everything's great and, and you should move hundred percent of the time. And like, and that's just not possible. So I think hearing you say, yes, it's going to be hard. Yes. Days are going to be awful, but here's how we can make the most of those hard moments. I think is really important. Or you sit on the couch and watch your shows. Mm -hmm. There's um someone asked me at one point, they were like, how do you motivate yourself if you don't feel like working out? And I'm like, I don't. Like every other fitness person probably hates when I say that, but they're in a completely different ball game than me. You know, they didn't deal with cancer. They don't have any injuries, maybe. But when I don't feel like working out, I'm not going to do it. If I don't feel like doing something, I'm no longer doing things that I don't want to do because it's not going to serve me. Yes, there are certain things like family events that we don't want to go to. Like, I'm going to go to those things because I have to. But if I don't feel like working out today, I'm not going to force myself to go do it because I'm going to waste time down there anyway. I'm probably going to get my phone. I'm not paying attention. And it's just not going to be worth it. So I'd rather take that time to relax, maybe clean the house instead, do some laundry and take care of me. So that way I know tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to be down at the gym. Now, to take that one step further, I think that that mentality is really, really helpful. What I also hear is people who kind of fell into a trap of, well, today they didn't wake up in the morning to work out. And then the next day, oh, I didn't wake up yesterday. And so before, lo and behold, before you know it, you know, two to three months have gone by and they find themselves stuck. They can't break out of the cycle where they're not moving. Do you have any advice about, you know, what to do in those situations? I kind of try to get away from the motivational piece and say, this needs to be, you know, movement is your medicine. And so just like you make a priority to take a pill, if you have, let's say an estrogen receptor positive breast cancer or not, you know, that needs to be just as part of your priority, just like brushing your teeth, you know, getting a few minutes of movement. But I'm curious about what, how you approach it. Honestly, I reach out to other people who are in the cancer support groups. 
So like when I was going through my hard time where I wasn't working out and I, I didn't do anything for quite some time, I was talking to my friends. I was talking to my husband. I would go to these virtual cancer support groups and unload because if you're getting to a point where it's, I'm not getting up today. I didn't get up yesterday. Something's wrong. Something is wrong, but that's okay. You, you took the first step to realize that something is wrong. So now we need to figure out how to fix it. Is it mental? Is it physical? What, what, what are we feeling today? Are you, are you feeling crappy depressed or are you feeling crappy? Like I hate my body. I just ate a bag of Oreos type of <laughs> like yeah. those are two different concepts. So for me, it was mental. You know, I hated that my body did this to me. I didn't want to do anything to make it better because it already failed me once. So that's mental. I had to talk to someone to really understand where I was failing. Because even though my body, you know, quote unquote, failed me, it didn't. It notified me that something was wrong. And I had to take precautions to make sure that I took the signals from my body and fix it. It did its job. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. It warned me before it was too late. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I am happy you brought up is the notion of talking to somebody. And I think very often when we talk about fitness and you'll see the hashtag, you know, running is my therapy or fitness is my therapy. And it drives me nuts because no, those things aren't actually your therapy. I think they're therapeutic. They're supplementing what's really wrong, (laughs) but they're not fixing the problem. And, you know, and again, I think it's one thing to just feel a little bit down. You had a busy day. It was stressful. You go for a run or a walk and you feel better. But if you're, you know, if you're depressed or anxious or, you know, on a deeper level, fitness is not going to solve that problem. And I think, you know, the importance of more, we talk about mental health and talking to someone, I think it's so important. Yes. So I use the hashtag mindset is everything because no matter what you do, you could be a bodybuilder. If you are not in the right mindset, nothing you do is going to matter. Yeah. So you need your, the biggest muscle that is, what you need to work on is your brain and your heart. Your brain controls everything. Your heart keeps you alive. Those are the two things that you need to focus on. So if your brain is not healthy and the way that you're thinking is not healthy, no matter how much you work out your heart, you're not creating balance. And that's key. And another saying that I say to people is we're not staying active to fit into a bikini you know, great. If you want to lose weight, if your doctor is telling you like medically, you need to lose weight, then that is a different story. Yeah. Well, we're staying active to stay alive. We're not, those are two super complete opposite mindsets. And we're so conditioned with marketing these days, like to fit into a size two. And this is how people are supposed to look, which is fine and dandy. Once you've been able to control the mindset. So once you get to that point where I'm happy, I'm content, I'm, I am great. I am here. I'm alive. I know what I want in life. Maybe I don't know what I want in life. Who cares? But you need to be content with your life to be able to move on to other things. Very. It's so true. I talk a lot about this, that, you know, we will take medications for every part of our body, but our brain talking to someone, getting help for our brain, maybe taking medications. There's such a stigma yep. to this and, and kind of going along with what you said about weight. I think you're right. I mean, marketing is everywhere, but I can't, I always try to tell people, I want you to eat healthy and I want you to move your body, not for the number on the scale. Right. You know, if you make those changes, the number on the scale may follow. Well, move. But, but even if you're not seeing the number move and you may not because chemo puts you into menopause and the medications make it hard to, lose weight. It's more about how are you moving your body? What is the food that you're putting into your body? That matters so much more than the number on the scale. Yep. 100%. And it also, it also brings up a good point too, because when I first got like, right before I got diagnosed, I was doing keto for a while and I lost a ton of weight, but what was I eating on keto? That was my problem. I was 
like, oh, I just need fats. I need fats. I need fats. So I'm sitting there and I'm eating cheese and this and that. And yeah, it tasted good and it fit within that quote unquote diet, but it's also very inflammatory. So we need to start looking at what am I eating that's going to fuel me, but also not be hard on myself for having that piece of cake. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I think it's also more than one glass of wine, one piece of cake, one hamburger. Those things are not going to cause your cancer to come back. And they didn't cause your cancer. It's more about when we think about recovery after chemo and life after cancer, life with cancer, it's what are you doing? That's what's your lifestyle like, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not what you're doing 1% of the time. It's what are you doing most of the time? And then you indulge. And that's, that's part of life. Life is about enjoying the slice of cake because it's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have to learn that harmony comes from outside and inside. Mm-hmm. And harmony comes from our head and our body. Everything needs to be yin and yang. They need to be one day you may feel really bad. One day you may feel really good. One day I may eat salads and egg whites and be super on point with my nutrition. And then guess what? Tomorrow I'm eating a bag of Doritos because that's what I want to do. But it's only one day. You have 365 days in a year. What are you doing with those 365 days? Yep. What are you doing with those 24 hours in a day? Exactly. Before we wrap up, I would love to hear your top three stretches. <laughs> okay. Mostly for me, because I'd like to know what they are. But, you know, what are like the top three movements someone could do if they have one minute to just refresh? Oof, I love my standing oblique stretch. So usually like even you can do it even in a chair, you know, I put my arms out and I take my wrist and I just stretch from side to side. Okay. I love doing that. And me for a mastectomy, it's twofold because you're working on your obliques. You're really opening that up. You're helping that range of motion too. So it's twofold. Um, I love, 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 love with my doorway stretches. So if I'm going to the bathroom, (laughs) I'm just passing through a door or something. I'll just stop and I put my arm out and I just twist. And so just for people who are obviously listening only, how are, where's your arm? And then where are you twisting in relation to the door frame? So as I walk into the door frame, so if I'm walking into the bathroom, I'm in my hallway. I take my arms and I put them on the, um, like the molding on the outside. And I just put my arms up above and I just kind of push my chest through and I just breathe in there. And it really helps open your arms. If you can't get your arms all the way up, put your arms out down by your side and push through that way as well. If you want to put them out towards parallel to the ground, you could do that too. I call those my I's, T's, and Y's. Those are like my favorite exercises to do. Um, And then I love my lunging hip flexor everybody has tight hip flexors. Yep. We sit, <laughs> we, sit, we sit at our desks, we sit in, in our cars. Um, so I love doing lunges, but I add like a little twist to it. So I always put like one foot out in front, one leg out behind me. My front leg is bent and I stretch and push the hips forward. And then I lift my arm up and I kind of look up to the sky. So it's twisting your body. So you have like a spinal stretch Mm -hmm. and you're stretching those hip flexors. So you're really opening up that whole whole front portion of your body. So I love these because they're standing. Some of them are standing. Some of them you can do in a chair and you can do them during the day. If just for 30 seconds. Yep. You can do them while you're at, if you're not feeling good and you just got home from treatment and you don't want to move. Do that oblique stretch in between your Netflix binging. Just sit there. Just stretch from side to side. You can take your arms up right above your head. Go right back. All those stretches you could do while you're sitting down. Watching the Big Bang Theory. Yes. (laughs) Um, This was amazing. Is there anything that we did not touch on that you want to share? 
Um, I'm an open book, so I'm always on Instagram. I'm always on social media. Um, if you're listening to this, you can always reach out to me. If you need anything, if you have questions, I'm an open book. If I don't have an answer for you, I will put you in touch with someone who I know can give you the answer. And where can listeners find you on social media? So I have an Instagram page. It's at Foods and Fitness. Same thing for TikTok if you want to see some stupid dancing. And Facebook. Okay. And is that <laughs> how if they want to work with you, if they want to connect with you, they just go to your Instagram account, follow the links, and it's all in there. Yep. Follow all the links. My website is in the process of being done. Um, so that will be up and running shortly. But for now, I have my appointment settings. If you want to get in touch with me, I do offer free complimentary meet and greets. I kind of go about it as like a first date. Like you kind of like swiped right on me and you're like, who is this girl? So I always set up Zoom conferences and we just meet each other, you know, have a cup of coffee, some water, and we just talk because you should want to work with me. We should click. We should be on the same wavelength. And if for some reason you don't, which is very rare, um, I will put you in touch with someone who I may think that you may enjoy. If you want someone who's in person and I'm not in your state, I'll help you get those resources. I, I am here to be the champion for you to help you succeed, even if it can't be through me. Rory, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I'm so happy. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this episode. I am a big proponent of movement is medicine. I think that movement helps us get through really hard times and it helps us heal both our minds and our bodies. Hearing about the incredible work that Rory is doing as a cancer exercise specialist was really empowering. And I urge you to follow her, reach out to her. I think it may be really helpful. You can find Rory on Instagram at foobs and fitness, and you can also find her on her website at foobsandfitness.com. And remember her mottos are hashtag fake fit and fabulous, as well as mindset is everything. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Dr. Toplinski. I always encourage you to reach out. And if you have a moment, please leave a rating and review for the Interlude podcast over on Apple Podcasts, as that is the best way to help me grow the show and bring it to new listeners. Thank you all again, and I will see you soon. 